Welcome to episode 11 of the Sports Bloggers Podcast. We have an exciting show lined up for you guys tonight. We're going to have Brendan Murray of the Chin Music Podcast on a little bit, just to talk about sports and other fun little things. We've got a couple of great segments planned up for you guys as well. So if you're ready, let's get into it. All right, we're going to welcome in our guest this week, Brendan Murray of Chin Music, Chin Music Podcast. Welcome, Brendan. What's going on, Tom? So just a little background. Joe, Brendan, and I, we all went to the same college, went to Stonehill. And uh, Brendan and I learned from the uh, the School of Hard Knocks, otherwise known as Marine Boyle, yeah, and the, uh, the Brockton Enterprise crew of her and Charlie Hickey. Yeah. Uh, so you're having some seasoned veteran journalists yeah. here. Yeah, very, very high caliber. <laughs> so uh, Brendan is a uh, New York sports fan. So we're going to start with your Yankees selling off their... Uh, their assets at the trade deadline and do go in full rebuild. Uh, let's get your thoughts on that and just the trade deadline in general. You never thought you'd see the day where the Yankees would actually like pull the trigger, stick their fingers down their throats, and do the thing they needed to do. And I've never been so excited to like have a team tank. It, this is great. Even if it doesn't pan out, the fact that they actually are going to give it a shot I mean, everyone they traded, with the exception of Miller, who I'll get to in a second, is, like, completely expendable. Um, Chapman, a closer for a team that was barely going to win 90 games, probably was going to barely win 85 games for that matter. Um, That's an expiring contract. Who even seems like he might be willing to come back to New York, which would be amazing. I'm not completely sold that it's actually going to happen yet. It'd be pretty smart of him to keep the Steinbrenners in the conversation come negotiation period, if nothing else. But I love the idea of that. And I mean, I mentioned it during our conversation, Tom, but Carlos Beltran, again, effectively worthless. They have tons of outfielders. He's old. He's going to retire soon-ish. I don't know how long he plans to keep playing. But regardless, he's a free agent. So, I mean, let him go. Try to figure out who you have at some of these young guys and figure out who you want to keep and who you want to get rid of and try to pick up some real assets in free agency and on the trade market. Out of the group of prospects that you guys got back, and you, you guys did get some top prospects back, uh, who are you most excited about? I know you have the, uh, I forget his name, uh, Clint something, but yeah. the uh, guy with the, uh, the ginger Jesus, and uh, I also got Dylan Tate from the Rangers. So what prospect stands out to you the most? Dylan Tate, I'm iffy on. He's got that, you know, obvious great stat of being the fourth overall pick in last year's draft, which is nice. But I'm definitely concerned about the way he's played in high A. I mean, he's only made a handful of starts, and it's high A. It's not exactly, you know, the be-all, end-all of anything. But, you know, we'll see how he pans out. He kind of has the look of someone that could, you know, maybe – be a bust. Um, on the other side, uh, Clint Kelly is, I think, his last name, unless I'm screwing that up somehow. Clint Frazier. Um, Clint Frazier. Who's Clint Kelly? Why do I have that name in my head? No idea. No idea. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. Some, somebody Google it and tell me, I guess, and make fun of me for not knowing it. But Clint Frazier, I love a lot. If he can keep that, that like red like mullet, long hair thing he's got going, uh, even better. He'll probably have to cut it when he gets to the Yankees, but for now, in the minor leagues, in like his first couple of games, he still had it. 
So that in and of itself gets me excited. And obviously they picked up a bunch of pitchers, um, and there's no currency quite like young arms that haven't gotten injured yet. So um, I'm interested to see some of the guys really that they're calling up and Sanchez and you know more of Ref Snyder and guys like that. Um, and if who, if any of those guys end up getting packaged, they'll end up being you know the guys we see in 100 games for the Yankees next year. So obviously the uh, the Yankees aren't accustomed to losing. Uh, what is an acceptable period for this rebuild for you as a Yankee fan? I mean, I'm not expecting next year, you know, I think it was Andrew Marchand or somebody else on ESPN New York wrote, like, will the Yankees be the super team of next year? I mean, I, I expect something to happen this offseason, um, but I'm not necessarily expecting them to go win 110 games or anything next year. I think it'll probably be, I don't know, two or three years. We have a lot of guys coming up. Like I said, there's a handful of guys even tonight. Um, I'm watching the Yankees play the Mets now on Thursday night, and there's a handful of guys that are uh, you know, new additions or someone like Ref Snyder who's been up before and now it's going to have more of a chance with the room that vacated by uh, Beltran to get a chance to show us what he can do. Um, and there's a good chance Ref Snyder is going to be on the team for a while. And there's a good chance Sanchez is going to be on the team for a while. And it's time for the Yankees to find out if they're worthwhile guys or if you just try to sell them while they still have some value and, you know, maybe do take a run at a Chris Sale or some other big trade target this this winter. So you kind of touched upon this right now, but um, I saw I read an article the other day uh, by Andrew Marchand who went a step up from the uh, the super teams of the Golden State Warriors and Miami Heat and the Celtics and call, said, "Are the Yankees the next Uber team?" Yeah, Uber and he's, he speculated that you guys would go out and sign Bryce Harper, Jose Fernandez, and Manny Machado. Now, I forget how much you guys spent when you went out and got Burnett, Sabathia, and who was the other one? You guys got, like, three big ones that... that to share. My mortal enemy, Mark. To share. Right. So, I think you guys spent, like, $400 million, I think, that offseason? Yeah, I think it was just shy of a half billion. I think that was the number they kept trying to, like, make it seem like it was going to be if everyone's incentives kicked in or something like that. So, I can't imagine how much money you'd have to pay those three guys... I saw Jack Curry, the Yankees pregame guy on Yes for any Yankee fans out there, who was on my podcast a few weeks ago, who said, you know, more than likely to sign all those guys, you have to spend a billion dollars. And I mean, the Steinbrenners will dole it out, but a billion dollars is a lot of money. Um, I think one of those guys, maybe two, if we get real lucky, I think what's more likely rather than just a straight free agent signing, which I think you'll see, like I said, at least one big name go either this year or next year is a trade. I mean, they have, what, 10 or 12 prospects they picked up in the last four days. Uh, they're going to have to make turn some of those guys into actual major league players, I would expect, especially when you consider, like I said, all the prospects that are that we've been hearing about for the past couple of years, guys like Gary Sanchez or Rob Refsnyder. So they're going to have to move some of these guys you would assume, and I, I'm interested to see if it's if they go after a guy like Chris Sale or, or what we see them do. Joe, uh, did you have a question for Brendan? Uh, if this is more of a base, I just wanted to let you guys know that I did pick up Bob Kelly, and, uh, and uh, the only Kelly, Kelly I can is...
Who's Quinn Kelly? He is a TV personality fashion consultant from Panama. Oh, so definitely not a baseball player. No, yeah, no, that's uh, okay. probably the furthest thing. Cool. Um, so, that, you know, that, I, there goes my credibility. Yeah, um, but I kind of just want to talk a little bit about an interview that you did, what was it, two weeks ago now? Yeah, but there was a the, the episode of the podcast, but it was two yeah, weeks yeah. ago because I'm lazy and went on vacation. <laughs> Everyone needs one. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, two weeks ago you interviewed, as you call him, the godfather of Isles Twitter, Arthur Staples. Well, yes. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Arthur Staple is the main and pretty much only beat writer for the New York Islanders. Yeah. Uh, yep. So I kind of want to talk to you about like what what's Staple like? How how do you enjoy doing the interview? Um, what insight did he give you? And then just your general thoughts on. The Islanders offseason so far, what do you think the team's going to be like this coming season, and why you think we're going to sweep the Rangers again? Arthur Staple was actually a real nice guy. He's definitely, um, you know, he's got that dry sense of humor. You see him dole out on Twitter when he just, you know, kind of snacks, smacks people down, and that's always a good time. I started talking to him, believe it or not, not even about the Islanders initially. It was about, he used to be a music writer, and he was talking about, a band that I was about to go see in concert and I started talking to him about that and I eventually asked him to come on the podcast and that's how I was able to get him to come on but um, yeah he was a real good interview he unfortunately put out my fire for Nikita Kucherov by telling me there was no way it was going to happen um, although every day that they don't sign him in Tampa I sent a text to my friends back home um, who are Islander fans and just remind them that Nikita Kucherov technically still is not under contract so I would love to have him come to the Islanders, but that doesn't sound like it's far off. Um, he also sounds, you know, the big thing I took away is, you know, he wasn't really surprised by anything they did in the offseason. You know, he thought it was just time for Okoso to go. I think the one, you know, it was time for Martin to go. I think the one thing that caught him off guard was Nielsen. Um, yeah. It seemed like, at least to me, it seemed like he thought, especially more than Islander fans, that Martin was gone for sure. And I think most people had come to the realization on Okoso. Yeah, I mean, like, the the Nielsen going to Detroit thing, that kind of, like, I kind of I kind of saw it happening because I, like, two or three days before I saw that there was a little bit of, a little bit of steam going behind uh, the Red Wings and Nielsen, but yeah, it still, it, it still kind of just, like, took me by surprise. Like, I mean, he's, was, he was the longest tenured Islander. He's been here since the very beginning, pretty much, and he's, like, he always showed how much he loved playing for the team, so it kind of just, like, took me by surprise a little bit that he... Why not? I think if you ask me, and, and I think a lot of other Islander fans, at least a lot of other Islander fans I know, on June 15th, and this is why Nielsen was like a weird thing, we would have said, Oposo's long gone. There's a 75% chance it looks like Matt Martin's leaving. But I think we're going to keep Nielsen. That seems like a pretty safe bet. And then by the time July 1st came around, I think it was all of a sudden obvious to a lot of Islander fans that it had the script had completely flipped. And there was a really small chance now that we were able to hang on to him. And when it was finally announced that he left, I was disappointed and I was, you know, I wasn't glad to see it, but I wasn't really surprised by the time um, ink was actually dry on paper. Um, I think they're going to miss him, but I think also when Tzizekas signed that massive deal, which has kind of gotten uh, obscured with all the other hoopla, that kind of sealed Nielsen's fate in terms of the Islanders weren't going to give him a... Uh, a godfather type offer to stay in New York. 
I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, for, for what Detroit gave him in terms of both money and term, I'm kind of glad that the team didn't give him that just based on his age and let's say like the two-way type of game that he plays. You, you don't know how he's going to be able to keep it up for that the duration of that contract. But still, he's a huge hole you're going to miss. I'm particularly not very comfortable with Brock Nelson being our second-line center right now. I mean, I know we scored, what, 26 goals last year, but he was he was invisible at times. He doesn't throw the body around at all. I don't really like his two-way game too much. So I'm, I'm just hoping that Matthew Barzal is ready sooner rather than later. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say I have news for you. I don't think Brock Nelson necessarily is going to be your opening night center. I think, at least according to what Arthur Staple told me and what I've heard guys like Brian Compton say, there's a, you know, a better than, you know, 25%, 30% chance, something approaching a 50-50 chance that Barzell makes the team out of camp. And the good news is they don't seem like they're going to give him the Josh Bailey, Nino Niederreiter treatment of bringing him up to play third and fourth line minutes. I think if you see Matthew Barzell in a New York Islanders uniform this year, it's going to be um, you know, playing with some of the upper line guys to see what he can do given the opportunity. Um, I'm a bit of a Brock Nelson apologist. He really pissed me off come playoff time. You know, he scored a nice goal early on and then just kind of, like you said, disappeared. But like you said, he scored a lot of goals last year. I mean, you can tell me he was playing on John Tavares' line. And obviously, you know, I'd scored five or ten goals just kind of standing around in the net on the John Tavares' line. But you'll take what you can get. You can only produce in the opportunities you've been given. And he has. I mean, 26 goals, 26 goals, or whatever it was, 28 goals. Um and you, you can give me all the caveats on that, but at the end of the day, I'll take the fact that he scored the goals. If, if you have an opportunity to flip him or, or to get somebody that can be a step better than him, then you know maybe you take it given the value, the right value play. I'm not saying he's a he's a must keep, but I am a little higher on, on him than a lot of Islander fans are. Yeah, I, yeah. I only like major criticism of him is that he's a big power forward type player who tries to be too much of a finesse type forward. Similar a little bit to what Oposa would do with all the fancy toe drags. But if, if Brock starts to throw the body around a little more this season, I'm very happy with him. If you, like you said, 25, 26 goal score, guaranteed pretty much 20 goals a year, 40, 45, 50 points. Like, I'll, I'll take that from either a second line center or more likely a third line center. Um, but again, like I just hope, I hope Barzell can make the jump just because I do think the team's going to miss Nielsen. Um, Going back to Staple a little bit, I know he's he's been saying that he doesn't really see the Islanders making any more moves. Um, the roster that they have right now is the roster that they're going to be going with on opening night, give or take a few players. Uh, rookies being called up, like Barzal. Uh, who's going to be fitting in on what line? On today, August 4th, where do you have this Islanders team finishing? Oh, boy. Um... I think they, you know, probably similar to last year in terms of placement. I'd like to see them get into those divisional slots. I think, you know, the, the division they play in is a, is a tough division. Um, it's going to be really interesting next year. I think it's, you know, obviously as an Islander fan, but I think it's going to be one of the divisions to watch just because there are so many questions in that Atlantic division or whatever the hell they're calling it now. I mean, you have the Rangers. um, I was talking about them on my podcast with Brian Heyman today. What the what the hell are they doing? They still have Nash and Girardi. They traded for uh, Zibanejad. So what, they still have Lundqvist between the pipes. So you think they're still gunning for a cup? Where where are they now? You know, two years removed from 
from being right on the cusp. You obviously have the Islanders who, are, who have kind of been the, the next big thing in hockey for the past couple of years. They finally got the playoff series monkey off their back. So, so what do they do now that they've been in Brooklyn for a year? They have, you know, some experience. It's time for them to start kind of putting up or shutting up. Um, and then you obviously have the teams that have been the class of the division and the Penguins and the Capitals, and they're not going anywhere. I mean, I've seen some estimates that have Pittsburgh slightly over the cap, so maybe they have to make some kind of move. But it wouldn't shock me if that move is moving Marc-Andre Fleury, um, in which case yeah. I'm not sure they get any worse. Uh, maybe they lose a handful of games um, for lack of a good backup, but you know, they're not going to get demonstrably worse when it matters in the playoffs. And I mean, Sydney, excuse me, Alex Ovechkin on the flip side is still, I think, the best pure goal scorer in hockey. Um, that team's actually got a lot of young talent, too. I mean, TJ Oshie is still a stud. Um, you have guys like Kuznetsov who have shown some real promise. And I mean, he's at the point where he can make a jump, and if he can start putting up some you know, upper points, they're going to be a scary team to deal with. And obviously, they still have Holtby between the pipes, and that always makes them difficult to deal with as well. Um, and then even the Devils, they made that Taylor Hall trade out of fucking nowhere. Um, completely yeah, yeah. broke every Islander fan's heart that was maybe holding out for some kind of move like that from the Islanders. Um, and they're going to they're gonna be around. I mean, I'm not saying they'll be great, but they're going to cause a problem if you have to play them a handful of times this year. And so so with the Philadelphia Flyers with guys like Gospierre and Voracek and and uh, Neuvert had, you know, looking to impress off the playoff run. So I think that whole division is going to be kind of a dogfight. Um, so I think the Islanders would be very satisfied in that third spot um, behind Washington and Pittsburgh, or even in the second spot, I can see them. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And the two teams you didn't mention, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets and Carolina Hurricanes, I wouldn't sleep on either of them either. I mean, Columbus has shown they have a, rel- a relatively similar core to when they made the playoffs a couple of years ago. Last year was a complete travesty for them, but I think that a full year with Torts, I think they'll be able to get back on track. They have a really good core. Um, I don't know if I see them making the playoffs this year, but I can see them getting back into that like 85 to 90 point range where they're like just on the cusp of making the playoffs. And Carolina's made some really shrewd moves this offseason. I mean, they went out and got Tebo Teravainen. They went out and got Lee Stempniak. Um, they re-signed Cam Ward, who might not be as good as he was even five years ago, but he's still a a relatively solid player, and you have Eddie Lack in tandem with him. Uh, they have that, a great young defense with Justin Falk, with Noah Hannafin, uh, Jacob Slavin, Hayden Flurry, all of them. And you still have guys like Jordan Stahl, Jeff Skinner, and Victor Rask, who just signed a, a really nice extension with them. So I I could see the, the Hurricanes being a sleeper team this year and sticking around until the very end, too. So I completely agree. The, the Metro is going to be an absolute dogfight this year. And, and I feel like any one of the teams that are in that division could end up with a playoff spot. And I think, you know, in general in the East, I think whether you're an Islander fan or Ranger fan, a devil, you know, a fan, a Bruin fan, what have you, you're going to have to be kind of honest with yourself come October time that any one of these teams, except like I said, maybe some of the really, really upper echelon ones, maybe, you know, the uh, Washington's and the, and the Pittsburghs of the world could survive it. But any one of these teams is a really bad injury or two away from having a completely lost season. I mean, God forbid the Islanders lose John Tavares or, or something of that nature, or you look at you know Taylor Hall to go down, like I said, or Ovechkin. I mean, any one of those guys, this isn't a, 
isn't a division and isn't a conference where you're going to be able to limp to a playoff spot. I mean, I think the Bruins got better, at least marginally, and they were right on the cusp last year. Montreal's going to be back. So that division's going to be a lot more crowded in terms of trying to grab those wild spots, too. And I think really any of those teams in that kind of middling between, you know, three to six range in both divisions have to be real careful about what happens this year. I think you could see some teams get injured and decide to sell off because of how deep it is and how difficult it can be. I definitely completely agree. It's absolutely going to be probably one of the more fun seasons to watch the Eastern Conference this year. I mean, everyone's always talking about how great the West is, but... The East has some contenders this year. It's going to be really fun to watch. Uh, Nick, you have any questions for Brendan? Um, you got, I just wanted to mention one thing about the Islanders. You guys are going to love Andrew Ladd. Uh, obviously in Chicago, big Blackhawks guy. Uh, he's going to be great for the younger guys you guys are talking about. And uh, him and Tavares, I could see on the top line together. That's uh, it's a pretty tough, tough, hard number one line. So that separates That's the guys a little bit. Parento um, Ladline, I think, could could do some damage. I mean, I'll give the Islanders credit for going out and getting probably the best winger available that wasn't Kyle Oposo, and I'm completely fine with Oposo leaving. Um, but listen, Lad is signed for a long time, and five, six years from now, that might kind of hurt. But this year, next year, even the third year, I mean, we got John Tavares pay- making five and a half. We have Andrew Ladd making five and a half. If you can move some halak salary and, and get some creative things done, this team is not far away from being there. And if, you, know, you talk about guys like Strom and Nelson and even Anders Lee and Casey Suzekas for that matter, if one or two of these guys can start to make that leap into you know these elite players they've been hyped as, that this team could make a, make a jump. I mean, that's what we talked to Islander fans this time last year after, you know, kind of that enchanted last season at the Coliseum, and it was Ryan Strom's going to make the leap this year, Brock Nelson's going to score 30 goals, and I mean, I'm not saying it will happen, but I'm not saying it won't happen either. Both, both those guys do have the, the potential to turn it on at some point, so we'll have to see what happens. All right, so we're going to wrap up this interview. Uh, Brendan, you're, you're a Giants fan, so you'll always hold... Uh, that over me as a Patriots fan. Uh, what are your predictions for this upcoming NFL season? Who do you think makes it to the title games? And ultimately, who do you think wins the Super Bowl? I'm tempted to say the Giants can make a run just because I'll say that offense has the potential to be pretty exciting between Beckham, uh, if Cruz can be any form of what he was, and, and then new additions in the draft, um, which is, I can't remember the guy's name now, but the, the wide they took in the second round, um, and Oliver Vernon obviously coming on. But the NFC is kind of a crapshoot to me. Um, I like Carolina to get back just because I really don't think that team got demonstrably worse, and I, I don't see anyone in their prison giving them a huge challenge. Um, I think there's a lot of teams that could make a run against them when you look at it. Um, I don't particularly like anyone uh, in the NFC East all that much. I think the Eagles are a mess. I think the Cowboys are a mess. I think there's a good chance Romo goes down again. Um, so, I'll, screw it. I'll say the Giants, even though I don't entirely believe it. Um, I think Carolina could probably easily dismount them. So, I guess I have Carolina back in the Super Bowl, which hasn't really happened too often. A team that loses the Super Bowl goes back to win it. But I, I can see it happening this year. 
On the AFC side, as much as it kills me, I think the Patriots are going to do some damage this year. They were real close last year. I think they can they can really hurt some people this year. Um, and you know, I think that actually Denver's probably going to have a big drop-off. Uh, I, I don't see them coming back this year. Their quarterback situation is kind of a mess. Um, so in terms of who they're going to run up against, um, I think the Chiefs could have a decent year. Uh, I don't know if they'll get all the way to the conference championship game, but I'll, uh, I'll put them there, I guess. And then I, I think the Patriots end up in the Super Bowl on the AFC side this year. And as much as it pains me to say it, there's a bad feeling in my gut that the Patriots do the damn thing and, w- and win it all this year. A kill everyone tour coming <laughs> to uh, NFL season near you. I, all right. <laughs> I, I, it pains me to say it, but I just have that little voice in my head that says the Patriots are going to do it this year. Maybe Unless I'm, we play the I, Giants I, and then we'll lose. I, I hope, hey, nothing would, literally nothing would make me happier than the Giants going 9-7, and seven, making a wild card spot, stumbling into the Super Bowl, and then just crushing Tom Brady all night up with a pass rush. I don't think I'll, my heart can take it. I'll go to bed dreaming of it tonight, so thank you for that, Tom. You're welcome. All right, Brendan, I want to thank you for uh, coming on and tell the people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at chinmusicpod.com. Like Tom said, I host the Chin Music Podcast, and I do some some blogging there along with Tim Culverhouse and other Stonehill guys. So uh, chinmusicpod.com, you can find all that stuff there, the links to everything, and you can find me on Twitter at Murray Sport Talk. So uh, thanks for having me on, boys. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Have a, have a good one. All right, thank you, Brendan. That was an awesome interview, and I look forward to having you back on the show at some time soon. So we're going to jump right into our segments. First one is going to be a, uh, a segment that we've grown very fond of in the past few weeks. It is going to be Where in the World is Johnny Football? So apparently last Saturday, Johnny went out to a bar in Los Angeles and started drinking. Clearly this goes against what he said back in back in uh, June, when he said that he was going to be completely sober. But when he was at that bar on Saturday, he only had a ginger shot and a rum and coke. So to me, I feel like that's better than being sober for him. Only having two drinks when you're out, like, good for you, Johnny. What do you think, Nick? You got to give the guy credit where credit is due. I mean... Talk about a guy who probably drank almost 20, 25 beers, got out, God knows what else, on a night, and now he's down to a couple of shots. I mean, big strides for Manziel. Big strides. Uh, as we've predicted at the Winnie City Tribune and Beantown Beat combined, um, Manziel's going to be on the Cowboys in a couple weeks. Maybe not a couple days, but a couple weeks. He's definitely going to be playing for Jerry and the boys, especially since Nick Foles decided to side with Kansas City. Dell still needs a backup. I heard they're trying to trade for Josh McCown, but who do you want? Josh McCown or Johnny Manziel? Give me Johnny Manziel. Exactly. Especially, do you, re- do you really want to give up assets to get Josh McCown? Like, no. You get Johnny Manziel. You could, you could probably get him on a league minimum contract just because he's trying to get his life back together. Um and back when Jerry Jones said that he wanted to help out Manziel before signing him, I'm pretty sure drinking or cutting your drinking down from 20 drinks a night to two drinks on one, one night during the weekend is as close to being helped out as you can get when you're in his position. 
So I'd say he's definitely got himself back on that right track, and the Cowboys are – they would be foolish to not take a chance on him. He's definitely showing that he wants to be back in the NFL. Right. So. If you think I'm giving up a draft pick for Josh McCown, you're crazy. And if – you know, yeah, Jerry exactly. Jones – speaking of Jerry Jones, he would be the guy to do it. But hopefully oh, yeah. <laughs> hopefully his son or whoever the hell helps him out kind of got his back on this one because that would be pretty bad. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I wouldn't even give up a compensatory pick for McCown. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's going to be the backup, but – Factoring in the inevitable eight games that Tony Romo is going to miss, you need someone who's at least going to bring people into the stands. Like, are we, are you going to go to a Cowboys game if Josh McCown's your starting quarterback? No. Are you going to go if Johnny Football's there? Yes. Because even if he sucks and the team plays terribly, the the entertainment factor is going to be there. You're going to be like, oh, it's Johnny Football. He can break off some incredible run or make an insane play action pass at any second during the game. So, it'll if anything. It'll sell tickets, it'll sell jerseys, and it'll put people in the seats. Quick question for you. How many ga- if you had to guess, how many games does Tony Romo miss this year? I want an exact number. Oh, exact number. Um, if you had to I guess. Mean, he's a year older. I'd venture to say 10. 10? I feel like 10 is not oh, the question. I'd say... I think... He'll 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 like get some terrible collarbone injury again or something, and it'll be early on in the season where he'll possibly be able to be back by like week fifteen. But I'm pretty sure in the last like four or five years, the Cowboys have one win in like eighteen games that Romo has not started. So, but like by the time he'd be able to come back, their season will be over. They'll be like, you know what? We're not going to risk Romo getting hurt again. We'll just shut you down for the rest of the season. So I can see him missing like seven games injury and then three games just as precautions because the Cowboys are terrible. Uh yeah, I feel like I feel like if he plays all sixteen, the Cowboys may have like a shot being one of the best teams in the NFC, but that's like ninety five percent chance not gonna happen. I say and this is and this is good chunk can go seven. And I think it happens either really early on, like first two games, or it happens like in the middle of the season when they really need him for the stretch run and then it does collapse like they always seem to do. So, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, I could see him. I'm looking at their schedule right now. I can, I can see it. I can see it week three versus the Bears. Is that week three or week it. two? Let me see. Because they play Houston week one. Oh, duh, idiot! I was looking at the preseason schedule. Um, the week two Monday Night Football. Hopefully, Danny Trevathan breaks his leg. That that'd be that'd be nice. I don't I don't know why I just endorse someone breaking his leg is nice, but uh, he's he's the, the point is he's probably gonna get hurt really on like really early on in the year, like you said. Or and then like Manziel's really gonna him. come in after his four game suspension to be a stud. Exactly. Like that's it's gonna be the equivalent of when. Matt Castle pretty much almost led the Patriots to the playoffs by himself when Brady got destroyed in week one. Only the difference is Johnny Football is going to take them all the way to the playoffs, and he's going to be so good that Tony Romo won't even be back in as a starting quarterback, and Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Whoa, there we have it, folks. A bold prediction from Joe. A way-too-early NFL prediction. So we'll see. All right, one of our newest favorite segments on uh, the Sports Bloggers podcast is... Athlete or Average Joe, where we give you a scenario and 
the other guys have to guess if it's an athlete or an average Joe. So I'm going to go first today. So a couple days ago, a man picked up a 19-year-old flamingo at Bush Gardens in Tampa and threw it, beat it up. The flamingo had to be euthanized shortly after. So was this man an athlete or average Joe Tom? Oh, God. Uh, I'd like it to be an athlete, but I feel like that's a special brand of crazy that is reserved for just the average Joe. Joe? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that. I mean, it would be incredible just to see someone like, I don't know, like someone on the Giants picking it up and just saying, yo, fuck the bird gang and like throwing it across the, the, the zoo, but... uh I can't see any athletes doing that or being that stupid. All right. So you guys are right. It was an athlete. Um, his name was Joseph Carraro. Carrero. He's 45. was at the park with his family. And he reached into the animal plan, pen and grabbed a flamingo. Then he grabbed the flamingo again and started beating it up. Um... Obviously, the bird got hurt so bad that it had to be euthanized. So, another very bad story. So, prayers out for Pinky. Hashtag Pinky. Get the trend going. Maybe we'll have t-shirts in a couple weeks. Who knows? Tom, what do you got? (laughs) Alright. So, a house mysteriously burned down last week. There's no witnesses. No one was arrested, but we're going to play a hypothetical athlete or average Joe because the house that burned down was the childhood house of Roger Goodell. So who do we think was behind it? Athlete or average Joe? Joe, we'll start with you. I'm going to go with not an athlete per se, but not a... um, not really an average Joe, someone who's in the sports world. I'm going to go with like any Boston sports writer ever because I feel like every single Boston sports writer would have a bone to pick with Roger Goodell. Nick? I got to go athlete, and I'm going to go NFL player. Some former NFL player wanted to burn down Goodell, Goodell's house, a child and home. Now Goodell has no memories. Hopefully... He's crushed by this and crying in a little room locked away by himself. So I got to go former NFL player, not a current one. Obviously, there's no correct answer because there's so many suspects. But I'm going to give you my top three. Top one has to be uh, El Prez because he said that if Brady's suspension ever got overturned, that he would have to do something drastic that was more on a grand scale than him getting thrown in jail the first time. I think he's public enemy number one. Two, the ghost of Junior Seau for allowing Roger Goodell to continue to say that CTE doesn't exist. And third, God. I think God finally found him. He finally found him, and he's sending a message that he needs to cut the shit. So, Joe, what's your uh, athlete or average show? All right, so... You got you got this person. They're uh, they're getting ready to host this big event, right? And um, 
in the event they're saying, oh yeah, don't worry, everyone come down, we're completely ready for it, we're not gonna, nothing's gonna go wrong, nothing's gonna go crazy. Turns out that at the event, there are multiple people running around trying to murder other people. People are getting sick and people are just passing out in the streets. So the host of the party, host of the event, essentially lied to millions and millions and millions of people, causing them to possibly die. Athlete or average Joe, Nick, we'll start with you. Um, I'm just going to go average Joe because it seems like some psychopath something would do, so average Joe. Tom? Is this the IOC? I feel like this is like somehow the Olympics and just Rio. <laughs> and the person is the country of Brazil. <laughs> it is uh, has to do with the Rio Olympics. So congratulations, Brazil. You are causing the deaths of many people. All right, now we move on to my favorite segment on the Sports Bloggers podcast, Hot or Not. We're just going to get it going rapid fire. Tom, we'll start with you. The Red Sox and White Sox trade deadline moves, hot or not? Uh, I think they're the definition of room temperature because they didn't do anything great that you can write home about, but they also didn't do anything incredibly stupid. Uh, So room temperature. Joe? Red Sox. I got them with a slightly above room temperature. I think uh, I like the acquisition of ABAD. I'm I'm, I'm, honestly... The fact that they didn't get rid of either Mankata or Benintendi made me very happy with what they did. Uh, as for the White Sox, I'm giving them a giant stinking pile of mediocrity grade. They had the opportunity to move a bunch of players, and they didn't. Uh, and so those are mine. Nick, I'll let you get into it. Uh, yeah, I think the Red Sox, both the Red Sox and White Sox, those are uh, cold-ass temperature. Definitely not hot. Um, let's start with the Red Sox. Sure, they made a couple of nice moves for reliever, but overall, they needed a starting pitcher. They didn't get it. Fine, they didn't give any give up any big prospects, but ultimately, ultimately, I think pitching is going to kill them. And then the off season, Dylan Davies going to come crawl into the Rick Hahn and the White Sox, and maybe they'll work out a deal for a container or sale, some along those lines. I still don't see a Mookie Betts being involved, but maybe. Mokanda or Benatendi, I don't know. Who fucking knows? Uh, moving on, we're going to go with, hot or not, Russell Westbrook signing an extension in OKC. Joe, we'll start with you. I'm going hot solely because I think this is gonna, he's just going to be so motivated this year, especially when every plays against Golden State. I saw, I saw something on Twitter today. What is the line on Russ attempting at least two incredible like highlight reel best dunks in the world when he's playing against golden state just to give a big fuck you to kevin Durant. i think he's gonna be so motivated i think he's gonna like he's gonna carry oklahoma state this year sure they're not gonna be nearly as good but i think that him resigning is a massive hot move for him plus he gets that player option for after the 2018 season so anything's possible after that so i think he i think he did really well with that so i'm going hot tom i'm going i'm going hot to start, uh, especially with all these Enos Cantor photoshops just trolling Kevin Durant for his decision to leave. Uh, I think it's going to be hot. I think it's going to be a lot of great content. And then it's going to be not because the Thunder just aren't going to be that good. You saw what happened when Durant was injured a couple years ago. They didn't even make the playoffs. So 
I think they're a little better with Steven Adams and uh, the addition of Oladipo, but they also trade trade Serge Ibaka. So uh, I'm going to go hot and then not. Uh, I'm going to go hot as hell because I think Kevin Durant is going to regret leaving. People forget that the Warriors are still pretty thin when it comes to perimeter rebounding, and that's something you need in the you need in the playoffs. And rebounding overall just very thin because Durant's going to be technically and Draymond are going to be the two starting centers. I mean, I don't know where people think. Yeah, sure, Zaza is going to come off the bench. Zaza is not going to start in place of Durant or Draymond. So I don't think the Warriors are going to be as good as people think which makes me believe the Russell is going to have a monster year. Sure, the Thunder are probably going to be a fifth, maybe, maybe a fourth seed. Uh, I can see him getting to the second round, but Kevin Durant better hope he not run into Russell down in the playoffs because at the very least, I think Russell will prove that he is the better overall player and that maybe Durant made a mistake by going to Golden State for his legacy and for his quest to win a championship. So we'll see. Uh, the next one we got is... The Draymond Green Snapchat, Trezilla. Uh Tom, what do you got? Uh, a little too hot, I think. Uh, a little too much for social media and for uh, people who are a fan of heart uh, to handle. Uh, I think it was pretty funny that he got offered $100,000 to uh, star in a, an adult film centered around his quote-unquote perfect uh, male appendage. Um I have not seen it. I have seen the blurred out version, and even that is a little too intimidating to look at. Uh, so I'm going to go hot, I guess. Joe? I'm going to go hot only if Drezilla happens. I mean, it was a very awkward situation, but I think that if he gets this whole film going on, you never know. He may find his career after he retires from basketball. I think that could be good. Also, I think it's contingent upon whether or not he decides to stick to, stick to Snapchatting or if he decides to go with uh, Instagram Snapchatting. If he goes Instagram Snapchatting, he's going to be a pioneer in that because I don't think anybody has ever attempted to, uh, to send a dick pic through Instagram Snapchatting. So if he tries to be, I, I would love to see, I just love a great marketing idea for Draymond. Make Drezilla. On Instagram stories. Boom. Game over. First big thing on Instagram stories, Drezilla. He just made himself millions because people are going to be tuning into Instagram. They're going to want to be like, oh my God, Draymond, you got us so much traffic. Here's money. So, boom. So if he, if he decides to take Drezilla to Instagram, I say that that's fire, fire, pants on fire. All right. I'm going to say not because I don't want to see anyone's dick on snapchat let alone draymond's so that's not but i have a question for you guys if he did make a video would you guys watch it oh probably you'd almost have to no. right i'm gonna no, say bullshit, no just Joe. because you'd watch this it. is someone this is someone that i would actually have to watch a good amount during the basketball season and i don't want to be thinking of his junk every time i see him get the ball <laughs> Yeah, but every time that he kicks someone else nuts or he, like, jumps onto someone's shoulders and just, like, puts its groin in their face, you just know how much worse it is. Yeah, and players will have something on I think it would depend on who was in the video with him. Maybe that can be like our if next it was someone, five. If it was someone somewhat famous, like, 
I think that would make it or break it. Like a Kardashian. We'll throw a Kardashian in there. As long as it's not Chloe. Like, the other yeah. four are fine. Even the mom. We'll throw a Chris in there. Yeah, like, Chris Jenner, Draymond, Green, sex tape thingy, whatever you want to call it. Drayzilla, Dray Chris. You heard it here first on the Sports Bloggers Podcast. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get into this week's top five. The category for this week is the top five fictional sports athletes. So, Nick, let's hear your top five first. All right, here's my list. At number five, we got Terry Crews. The guy is a fucking monster. He was a monster in Longest Yard as Deacon Moss. So, got to go Terry Crews number five. Four is my boy Brad Pitt in Moneyball. I mean, if I ever become an owner of a professional team after I win the lottery, Brad Pitt's going to be my GM. You got to have the hair. You got to have the looks to be a GM. Brad Pitt has both. Number three is going to be Adam Sandler. I swear in every one of his movies, he's either playing basketball or football, and his team's always winning. So I got to go Adam Sandler, number three. Number two is going to be Wild Thing, Charlie Sheen. The guy can throw 100. His nickname is Wild Thing. I couldn't leave him off my list. And then number one is Mark Wahlberg. Uh, I feel like he's a five-tool. He could be a five-tool baseball player. He could do it all on the football field, play a little basketball if he needed to. He's a good golfer. I know he golfs with Bubba Watson a lot, so I got to go with Mark Mark Wahlberg, number one. Uh, Joe, top five. All right. I took a little bit of a different spin on this one. I'm going – you went with the actors. I'm going specifically with the characters. So, number five, I got Justin Redman, played by Justin Long in Dodgeball. I, just because I felt like I could relate to him. He's that, like, nerdy kid who get who gets with the girl at the end, although I'm still trying to get with the girl at the end. That's probably not going to happen for a while. But, hey, it happens. I'm, look what happened with him. So, Justin Redman, I got him number five. Number four, got Gunnar Stahl from uh, Mighty Ducks. Just love the flow. Love the triple deke. I mean, he couldn't, couldn't beat Julie with it, but you know what? Sometimes that happens, Gunnar. He's a classy guy. Uh, love him. So Gunnar Stahl, I'm number four. Number three, Harmon Tedesco from Blue Mountain State. The guy's a junkie, the guy's a druggie, and the guy loves doing crazy shit. He once stuck his penis inside of a gopher hole, and that is something I would probably never think of doing. I don't know why I said probably, because I wouldn't think of doing that. Uh, Number two, I got... Well, yeah, obviously now. Number two... I got Rick Vice, Coach Rick Vice from Division Three Football's Finest. Guy's a crazy motherfucker who doesn't give a shit what anybody thinks. He's insane. He chases kids around on a bicycle while trying to beat them with uh, the first down marker. Guy love the love the dedication, love the attitude. So go Rick Vice number two, number one. This is a guy who I'm pretty sure if he actually played baseball, he might play for like the Red Sox or he might play for Cincinnati Reds or something. But it's uh, Scott Hatterberg. I mean, I feel like he would have been a pretty good baseball player if he was real. Um, it's unfortunate that he wasn't real, but he did very, very well in Moneyball. Uh, hit that hit that walk-off home run to keep the win streak alive. So, yeah, I, I wish Scott Hatterberg was a real athlete, but unfortunately he's not. He's just in a movie, so I got him at number one. <laughs> uh, do, do you know that Scott Hatterberg is a real athlete? No, he's not. Yes, he is. He's not. He's 100% real. He was played by Chris Pratt, who's in Parks and Rec. Scott Hatterberg played for the Red Sox. 
No, he's fake. Yeah, like I said, he would he would play for the Red Sox. Maybe play for the Cincinnati Reds at the end of his career. <laughs> but uh, no, I only I wish he was real. Interesting take, Joe. Interesting take. All right, my top five. Number five, I'm going with Jesus Shuttlesworth, played by Ray Allen, and he got game. He uh, he had a dad in prison, played by Denzel Washington, I think. Uh, was trying to get persuaded to take gifts, uh, ultimately decides not to and allows his father to go to jail and commits to the prestigious college, Big State University. Number four, going Rocky Balboa, classic city of champions representing Brockton on this podcast, hashtag diversity. Number three, I'm going Smash Williams from Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights is on the top five of greatest sports shows ever, uh, which I'm sure we'll get to another day. Number two, Air Bud, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And again, with the diversity, bringing great white players, or golden in this case, to the NBA or wherever Air Bud played. Uh, And number one, Shane Falco from The Replacements with one, if not the greatest sports movie quotes in the huddle, down, he goes, pain heals, chicks dig scars, glory lasts forever. Words to live by from Shane Falco. Time up. Before you keep going, I want to redo my list because I think I, I can have a better list than both of you guys. Number five, we're going with Marty Daniels, head coach of Blue Mountain State. All right? All right. Guy's a stud. Number four, we're going Alex Moran, from also from Blue Mountain State. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a backup quarterback on a Division I powerhouse? That's probably the best job in the world. Like, like when the whole Cardell Jones, JT Bear thing was going on. I mean, I would have raised my hand and be like, Coach, I'll, I'll be number two. <laughs> Sit on the bench. Number three is... Got to be Nigel Gruff, also from the replacements. The kicker, smoking cigs, fucking losing bets on the sideline. Got to love that. That's the kind of guy I want playing for me. And you know what? That's going to end my list because I really don't have anyone else. So we'll go (laughs) one, two, three. Well, you're not going to talk about Bugs Bunny from Space Jam? Oh, that's that's a tough one. That's a game. I'm going to go with the big fat Looney Tune, or the, what was it, Smash Mountain, or whatever it was in uh, Space Jam. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to go with all those guys on my team. The Monstars? The Monstars. Monstars. So I have the Monstars, all those actors, and whoever else I said. So, boom. <laughs> I was really thinking your top oh, eight. Number one is Coach <laughs> Taylor, though. That's my guy. Yeah. That's a given. And number two is Mrs. Coach Taylor. Yep. That, that's also a given. So Nick's top ten and Joe and I top five. Hey, if you combine it, it's the top ten and top ten. There you go. All right, so we're going to begin to wrap up the show, and we're going to go with our blogging tips for this week. So I wanted to uh, direct uh, everyone's attention towards a post that uh, went up on Sports Blog today from, uh, I believe his name is Richard Winner of Panic Lore. And uh, he wrote 
uh, an article that was a little unique because it wasn't about anything uh, regarding sports. It was kind of a message to the sports blog community about what happens when you put a lot of work and you really like your finished product and it gets no views. Um, so it was, it was very much targeted towards the sports blog community. Um, and I think it's a great message and I think everyone should check it out. Uh, and I know personally, uh, I, I've kind of hit a, a, a dry spell in terms of this where I've been writing stories that aren't really rehashing the news that you're going to see everywhere else. Um, and ones that I've put a good amount of time into that just haven't gotten nearly the response I was hoping to. And for a lot of us who are dependent upon getting promoted over Sportsblog's uh, social media, uh, it can be a little disheartening when you see, you know, someone else beat you to the punch or, you know, you have a story that you think is, is maybe a little, you know, well-written, a little better than theirs, uh, but you see them, you got to remember that you're competing with 44,000 other blogs on the site. Um, but I think everyone should just check out the, the posts. It, uh, it kind of puts things in perspective about, you know, why are you really doing this? Um, and everyone else should, uh, should check out my post on the top 10 gifts for Tom Brady for his 39th birthday, because I spent two hours writing it because trying to blog it on my phone, all the pictures got deleted and then I transitioned to my computer and all the images and text was like size two. Um, and it got like 30 views, but it's a pretty solid post. So everyone should check it out. Joe, what do you got? Nothing like the good old self plug. Uh, mine's kind of just a little more, not really about writing, but don't get disheartened when trolls try and mess with you. Uh, try and, Try and spin everything, every negative thing that goes on with your blog, or even in life in general, that's just like a good message. Try and spin everything negative into a positive. So the other night, when uh, the news broke that um, Kellen Moore, what is it, broke his ankle? Uh, he did something to his ankle. He had to be stretched off the field during practice, and it was announced that he's going to be out for um, the majority of the season. So I wrote a blog talking about that, and... I'm just, I pose the question, well, does this mean that Johnny Manziel might have a shot to get back in the NFL? Uh, blog got uh, generally positive reviews, got a good, a good amount of views, um, and I, I will be the first to admit it probably wasn't my best piece that I've ever written, but it was definitely one that was just you know stating the, stating the news that actually happened and then just posing a question that you, you figured with the how – how much Menzel and the Cowboys have been linked in the past, it's, it's something that was on everybody's mind. So I figured I'd write about it, talk about it, why not? And then some troll decided to come through the interwebs on Twitter and retweet my tweet saying that it was clickbait. Now, I'm someone who's still working on the whole getting a thick skin and trying to make sure that what people who you don't even know say on the internet, make sure it doesn't like affect you or like, make you feel bad in any way. So I just said, you know what? I just got attacked by my first internet troll. I think that means I've made it in the blogging world. So go me. So that's the that's like just my message right now, guys. What do you need to do? Try not to let any negativity get you down. There's always a way to spin it to make it a little bit positive. If you're getting trolled, just think that 
some that that person read your article and decided to troll you. So, hey, they read my article. That's pretty cool. Someone who I don't know is reading my stuff. So that's awesome. So that's just that's my advice for the week. Nick, how about you? Um, my advice for the week is to not be afraid to blog about what you want to blog about. And what I mean by that is you can pick if you have a certain if you see a stat out there that says, I'll give you an example. Today I saw something on Jose Quintana and his war. Like, that actually, I'm in the process of writing an article about why Jose Quintana is the best pitcher in the American League. Don't be afraid to say things you believe is what I guess my tip this week would be. Uh, earlier today I also wrote a post about how Stephen A. Smith looked like a complete idiot for calling out Jay Culler, which if you read my article and blog post, you might actually think. And agree with me. So just don't be afraid to call people out or do that because that's what this stuff is for. Um, people want to see your views. We've had Clem, Greeny, uh, Chief on, and they've all said the same thing, which is find your voice. Well, no one really knows what the hell that means, including myself. But write how you'd be talking to a friend. Write how you feel. So if... If you're a Reds fan and you saw Jay Bruce got traded and you thought that was a bad move, write how you are feeling. If you think it's a bonehead move, say that. Don't try and sugarcoat it. Don't try and write it like ESPN because we have ESPN for that reason. No one's going to go to your blog and read a factual statement about Jay Bruce, the Jay Bruce trade because we already saw it on Bleacher Report, ESPN, CBS Sports, Fox Sports, wherever. So my blogging tip of the week is to have your own voice and don't be afraid to write about things you want to write about, including that Stephen A. Smith is a jackass. <laughs> Just uh, really quickly, I want to correct myself. It's uh, Richard Winter of the Panic Button, not Panic War. Uh, and the title of the, the article is Stay Positive Young Bloggers, hyphen, we've all been there. Uh, so that's our blogging tips for the week. Do you guys have any final thoughts? Um, a, a quick little shout out, as we were talking about earlier with my uh, with my wonderful athlete reference Joe. Uh, the Olympics are getting are underway now. It's it's going to be a fun time. I know we all joke about the the shit show that is in Brazil, but I, I love the Olympics. It's going to be a fun thing. I'm going to do a little bit of gambling on it. And welcome back to New York DraftKings. Uh, Joe, we need to play head-to-head MLB DraftKings. Yes, we do. I am a thousand percent down with that. No, not to brag, I've finished. I've turned like two dollars or whatever into fifty bucks before, so I was pretty happy about that. So I'm a, I'm a big, big MLB, a big NFL, and big NHL DraftKings guy and PGA. Not so. to brag, but I'm a big. Golf DraftKings guy, and I did turn three dollars into two hundred dollars nice. on Jordan nice. Spieth's collapse in the Masters because I faded him, right. and he ended up right. shitting the bed. So, and it was actually in right. uh, what was that? April? Yeah. 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 That's uh. Tom, get, on get that underway sometime soon. Uh, so I have three final things. Uh, one. Very excited uh, that the Red Sox held on to their uh, major prospects, and we got to see uh, our new 22-year-old left fielder, Andrew Benatendi, guys first two major league hits last night. Uh, unfortunately, the Red Sox stink, uh, and I think it's finally time 
despite being, I, I think now, 10 games above 500. And currently, as we record this on Thursday night, the Red Sox would play a play-in game with the Tigers to get a play-in game for the playoffs. Uh, it's not the best scenario. Just a quick interruption, Tom. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out that it is younger than us, Andrew Benintendi. Younger than us, Andrew Benintendi. Yikes. Is starting left field for the Boston Red Sox, uh, which makes me feel old. I'm only 23, but congrats to him for making me feel old. Uh, and also, screw you, Joe, for reminding me that DraftKings was a thing and that I had to delete it after losing like 40 bucks, not winning shit, and then not having enough space on my phone to keep it. I got seven bucks on DraftKings, so now I'm gonna re-download it and Let's that go. sucks. We're gonna have a DraftKings tournament. DraftKings, if you're listening, we need a sponsor. We need you guys. <laughs> We're stoolies. You guys are like our number one advertiser, so throw a little of that our way. So we're all uh, going to have also, uh, head-to-head draftings contests. We should all enter one contest like tomorrow and see who finishes higher. I mean, I don't right. think it's open in New York yet. so Oh, it's not open yet? They, they sent the paperwork in for it. They're just like waiting for it to get processed. So. All right, well, you let as me know when process. you're back. As soon as it's processed, I'll let you guys know. And we're going to do some Beautiful. Drivers. We'll do it every Sunday. A little high stakes. I think we can do something where like, we create create a league. Yeah, I did, I did that and this past NHL season with my friend, with my friend Tom, and we would do yeah. me, him and his friends, and he just like keep a total of who's. Yeah, winning. we should do. We should do a sports blog one. Yeah, we should. No, yep. should sports hey, blog. This drafting. podcast making waves. Yep. Speaking of fantasy sports, uh, we are on the lookout for a sports blog writer who uh, specializes in fantasy sports, particularly in fantasy football. Everyone's drafts are coming up with the NFL season right around the corner, so we want to have a show devoted to that. So, if you finish listening to this entire podcast, one, thank you, two, congratulations, three, we'd love to have you on, so definitely reach out to us on Twitter, at BeantownBeat, at, Nick, what's your Twitter handle? <laughs> shy, shy, Windy City? Something like that. <laughs> I remember what it, I remember what it used to be, but I couldn't remember now. Reach out to that, us. You mean the fact that what it used to be is still in the sports blogger's uh, Twitter profile? What you still you still have, you still have Nick's old Twitter handle in the bio for the sports blogger's Twitter account? Oh, okay, I can change that. Yeah, probably should change that. Tom. I'll change that. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I misspelled my Twitter. Uh, I didn't put the uh, underscore. So I was linking to uh, something completely irrelevant. They had like five followers for like our first three weeks. So that's that, that's Cape Cod Chips tried to reach out to us those three weeks, I'm sure, and they just couldn't get a hold of us, uh, and that's why. We're still listening, waiting, Cape Cod. They sent Ch- Clem another bag of chips. I saw. Bullshit. And we haven't gotten shit. <laughs> but yeah, we want advertisers uh, because we're uh, we're having a good time putting this podcast hopefully it's uh enlightening hopefully you guys enjoy the the interviews i know that we've had a blast interviewing some of the guys that we read every day um but you know we want to keep it going and uh the more help we can uh have towards doing that the better um so we're always uh have open ears so just reach out to us and uh that's it for me are you guys good rip pinky rip rip pinky
First you got Harambe. Cecil, then you got Harambe, then you got Pinky. The world's coming to an end, man. We're losing all the good ones.